Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the podcast that takes a light-hearted look at lesser-known London stories with your own personal blue badge professional tourist guides. She's Fiona. And she's Alex. And this is the Ladies in London podcast. Hello. Hello. Happy Wednesday, Hello. everybody. <laughs> Welcome back. It's lovely to have you here with us again. Hi, Fee. Hello, hello. That was my hesitant hello, because normally you jump in first with the greeting and I was like, oh, uh, oh shall I say something? <laughs> I was quite enjoying the awkwardness of watching you go, do I say something? <laughs> well, well hello. we're back for another week. We're back weekly. Yay! Yay! I have to say, I'm really enjoying being back and, and I, I've sort of been since last week's episode been fizzing with all the things that I want to do episodes on and kind of being like oh it's so exciting so I think this is a a good a good sign that we're doing the right thing definitely good yes absolutely and I've I've had um oh so much fun finding doing putting today's together so good um, oh I'm so glad we've had some lovely emails about last week's episode um lots of people getting in touch to say oh my goodness what a complete kind of completely weird story and um lovely barbara eldon who's one of our listeners who said it's it's the way you tell them (laughs) which i'm gonna take as a compliment even if it wasn't meant that way (laughs) oh i'm sure it was meant that way yeah 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 (laughs) um but yeah i quite enjoyed his little story i just i love these little things about london i mean we've said it a million times haven't we that it's always the the bits and pieces that that people don't know that really i don't know why they're not so known because they're so fun absolutely and and I've I've spent the last two days doing marking for uh, like Westminster guides uh, assignments okay. and things, yeah. and someone someone made a comment about like it's it, it it's the little details that people stick in people's minds. I was like yes. yes, absolutely, but you don't know as a guide you don't know which detail will land with which people, no. so no. it's always like and you you've always been very good on those little details as well. So, <laughs> uh, so no wonder Just, no yeah. wonder they're they're picking that up from you as uh, as their tutor. Yeah, yes. As as did Barbara. As did Barbara. Thank you, Barbara. So, yeah. I have a little shout out to make this week. I forgot last week. Um, I want to say hello to uh, lovely Amanda, who is in Australia. Now, we have Australian listeners. Um, and Amanda's quite an interesting one because she... So you know that I played ukulele and, and during um, mm-hmm. lockdown I played online and I still go and play online sometimes. And the other day I was playing and, and there's a, a lovely chap called Dave who's been playing pretty much since the start. And he actually came on one of my virtual um, Harry Potter tours in lockdown and all of that. And um, and his wife was on. She's not always on with him, but she was this time. And 
And all of a sudden, about 20 minutes in, after I'd, you know, done a few stupid utterances, she messaged me. She was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's you. It's, it's you. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is, uh, yeah. this is a sort of definitely. In the... And it was, it was a day when I really had not, I, I was sweaty from the gym. I hadn't had a shower. I looked disgusting. So I was probably a massive disappointment. I'm sorry, Amanda. Um, but it was really lovely. And so she said that David had, had told her all about the, the tour that he did with me in lockdown. And she'd been listening for ages. So I want to say hello Excellent. to the other side of the world to lovely Amanda. Um, hello. Thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh, I'm just desperately trying to resist the, the temptation to say, good night. Don't it's do the accent. See, it's not worked. Don't do it. <laughs> it backfires immediately. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have you got um, anything else to hey. tell us about before we head in? We haven't yet got no. a date for our live thing, have we? No, we're still waiting on that. So still, we thought we'd have it this time. Pulling this that week, together, um, but that we're very excited about that. And as soon as we get the first sniff of something concrete, we will let you all know. We'll be shouting about it because we'd love people to come along. Yes, yes, absolutely. No, no pressure for our Australian listeners, but you know, get on a flight. Come on. Yeah. If you, if you really <laughs> loved us, you'd do it. Yeah. So now case, there was oh, uh, there well, was I was going to say one random thing that I did before Christmas and then I talked to you and I said oh is this a thing and you said oh yeah we've done that on the pod because I was like oh maybe this is a thing for the pod uh, but you've done it already which was the Smithfield meat market mm. uh, meat auction oh meat auction yeah meat auction so now, just before I, Christmas I don't know if we've spoken about the auction we've definitely well at least not in depth, we've definitely done it in passing, uh, way back at the very start when Emily did, uh, back when she got known uh, as the goth guide, uh, one of the ones was about <laughs> Smithfield Meat Market and the blood trickling through the rivers and all of that. And I, we must have uh, mentioned it at that point. But uh, for okay. free, I mean, this is this is the sort of info that we love. Well, I'm always meant to go. Yeah, and that, that's it. exactly the thing. And I think it's th- this year is the first one for, uh, or the second one since lockdown, or the, anyway, it's back. It's back with a bang. Um, and um, also potentially has a limited lifespan because yeah. they've agreed that they are going to move out probably to Dagenham at some point in, in the future. So um, it's a thing that happens in the central avenue of, of Smithfield Market. Lots of people turn up. Uh, this It was a Saturday this year, and it was um, about 10 o'clock in the morning, and they just, it's not an auction because you're not actually bidding. It's just pieces of meat that are extremely good value. Um, but it's just the most fantastic atmosphere and really slightly competitive, but it, but also yeah. very supportive and things. And they they do a bit of, you know, they come out and do a bit of announcement. And they've set up a kind of catwalk with pallets down the middle of the thing. And then fantastic. so you get some guys coming out parading some, start off with big amounts of gammon and, uh, and he, and the guy doing the kind of the main, you know, um, speaking said, oh, you know, this this is what it would cost in the shops. And for you, one price, only one price today. It's going to be 20 quid. And everyone went, Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> and then And then just waves 20 pound notes in the air. And you, the way you do it, you just wave your cash in the air. It has to be cash, doesn't it? It has to be cash, absolutely. Yeah. And then if... You know, they'll either pass the meat to you, catch your eye and kind of go, yep, it's coming your way, pass it to you or indeed throw it at you occasionally. And then you pass the money forwards and the meat gets passed back. And, you know, people come with suitcases to put them. It's it's very strange. And the glee, just the look of delight on people's faces (laughs) when they've bagged themselves 
a quarter high hind quarters of a lamb for an extremely good price and oh, it's all going to go in the freezer but it, it's a weird weird thing um yeah we should we should we mental note to remind you in the run-up yeah. to christmas next year because well, i a- think i might be in london for christmas next year and i've always meant to do it and like you say it, it's got a limited lifespan on it because it's moving out so if i don't do it soon i'm never going to do it so yeah maybe next year maybe next, next year. year we let's we, let's we go. go along and take our microphones we haven't done an on-site yeah. one for a while so I did. I did try to do a little bit of recording. It my it wasn't my equipment wasn't up to it because it's a big old echoey space. Right. I do so, want to go and take photos um, yeah. of it, but yeah. All right. Well, maybe we'll get a bit of a, a gang together next year. There we if go. If you happen next to be on the Christmas team, let us know, and we will. Uh, and you need to... some meat. And you need some meat. Well, just go. I'm just going to go along and, and watch. To be honest. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Next year, I'm bidding. Next year. Okay. All right. I'll I will come along. I'll be your uh, your personal paparazzo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Splendid. There we go. Fantastic. So you didn't buy anything this year then? You, you just left it? No, I was on my way into town and I was like, right. none of these pieces of meat are small. There's no way I can lug this to the shops. You can't really, you can't really schlep half a, half a cow around Westminster Abbey, can you? Well, you can, just no. not, you're not going to No, gonna and I, I didn't, couldn't stay to the end. So I, I didn't, I missed the turkeys. I'm, right. I think turkeys are the finale, I, I guess. Okay. So yeah, but mm. it's good stuff. Fabulous. All right, well, that's a that's a plan for next year. Yes, but so let's get on onwards. with this week's episode then. So it's you this week. Um, we've it's got me. some guests coming up in the next few weeks, but uh, it is Fiona who's taking the lead. And actually, next week I'm going to be, be away in Portugal, so we are pre-recording next week's one, um, gang. So you will have one. It just won't be quite. As that's why I was looked a bit hesitant when you said we'll let you know as soon as possible about the, about the things. So I suddenly thought, oh no, we might we might not know before we record next week's, but we'll put it on the social media. As soon as we know the live dates and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. So, so today, one of the exciting things I discovered is about, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, I went looking for something on the internet and I couldn't find it. Couldn't find it anywhere. Um, So I thought today, I'll I'll just have a quick look. And I found it. So if you type in Darling Doris. Shall I do this? You could do that if you want. Let me do this. uh, And Fat and Frantic. Sorry, what now? (laughs) Fat and Frantic. (laughs) Fat and frantic, and I hope darling everyone Doris. is doing this with us. Okay, darling Doris, fat and frantic. Right. You should then find some Spotify links, some YouTube links to a song called "Darling Doris" by the group yes. Fat and Frantic. Okay. Along with which... another song called "Last Night My Wife Hoovered My Head." Hoovered my head. Oh, yeah. Intriguing. They 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 dis- they disbanded a while ago and and then i couldn't find any way of buying their stuff when i was looking right. for about 15 10 15 years ago um but they said they sang a mixture of punk and skiffle okay. piffle piffle yeah or yeah. skunk uh or skunk <laughs> uh but it's 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 quite catchy tunes but with really good interesting lyrics um okay. i i like them very much um and darling doris is a lament for a iconic piece of British street furniture. Oh. Darling Doris is a telephone box. Oh, okay. And uh, the song becomes a much-loved kind of centre of the community and then gets changed <gasps> and it all goes wrong. And it's a fabulous song. So uh, we'll, you know, listen to the song uh, to accompany this. But okay. we are, we're, going, we're going not just phone boxes, we're going all things phone based today and I thought 
what we would do is take a canter around London. Imagine you're coming to London for the afternoon and you just want to know about phones. Where would you go? <laughs> Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Absolutely. So um, one of my favourite things is when um, you get uh, statues and cherubs on buildings doing stuff, and particularly cherubs on the phone okay. is a delight. I think. And there are three. I've discovered one, another place that I didn't know about. So there, there may be plenty more as well. But there are three that places I know of where you can see cherubs on the phone uh, in London. Really? And I'm, I'm going to guess that you'd know about one of them. Oh, but God, maybe, you. Hmm, I maybe don't know that I do. Um, are, are we talking red phone box or are we talking? No, no, we're talking hmm. attached to a building, uh, a statue of a cherub. Um, the one I'm thinking of that you might know is there's two cherubs standing, one standing up next to a lamp, one is sitting down, and they are beside a doorway into a building, building one time described as Cockney Gothic, which I don't understand what that means, <laughs> but I like it. Okay. Um, uh, no, I, I, I have nothing on this. Oh, okay. Um, Temple Place. Right. Uh, the House of William Waldorf Astor. Oh, um, it is kind of yeah, just behind Temple Tube Station, sort of on the other okay. side of the bit of green yeah. from that. Um, built for him in the eighteen nineties when he came to London, and now, it was sorry, this is the the Astor, the famous Astor family, Astor right? of of the family, absolutely yes. And he um, liked modern gadgets and things. He had all he had a, a, a secure room because he was also paranoid. It is the most extraordinary house with wood panelling and statues and marble and stained glass windows and things inside. But he also had one of the first telephones in London. Of course he did. Which is a limited use. If you, have, no like, if you have the first phone box oh, phone in London, <laughs> there's no one to ring, is there? That's mm. <laughs> No. So, um, but one of the first he had, not necessarily the very first. Um, so he also has, um, outside the door... There's two lamps, and on one of the lamps, there's two little cherubs. One of them okay. is is talking into a kind of oh. a cone shaped thing, and the other one is listening. Oh, um, sweet! And they're very lovely. Um, and when you say phone box, are you talking a public phone box? No, no, no ignore box. No box. Oh, bo no We're box not, at all. Right, no sorry. box at all. No, no, just just on a lamp outside a house. Okay. Um, so yeah, there there will be some phone boxes today. But there's also just some some general phone things. Okay. Um, so Asta had one of the phones that was attached to to the phone network, as it were. But the very first uh, phone call uh, in London supposedly took place at Brown's Hotel mm. um, because they had a telegraph line, a private telegraph line, obviously, and as you do, obviously. Yep. Um, from from the hotel to the house in Ravenscourt Park, where the owners of the hotel lived. Um, and Alexander Graham Bell, who, I mean, in amongst who invented the phone, it's one of those hotly disputed things. There's Bell and Edison and various other people who put mm. in patents at about the same time. I love the idea that <laughs> Alexander Graham Bell might have invented the phone that, yeah. that rings a bell to, to yeah. let you know you want to communicate it's it's perfect but he was visiting London in 1877 and uses to demonstrate his invention needed a private telegraph line 
to use. Okay. So they use the one at Brand's Hotel. He um, wasn't the first person to investigate um, kind of transmitting voices down a long distance. Right. Um, and the most simple version of a telephone really is is a piece of string with tin cans on mm, the end sure. or yeah. cups or whatever. Um, and about 200 years before Bell's patent, our friend Robert Hooke was investigating <laughs> string phones. Oh, you love a bit of Robert Hooke. <laughs> so you can imagine him, my right? delight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was all good until right at the end. Um, <laughs> yes, oh yeah, I remember now. <laughs> yeah. So so in terms of basic technology of, of how you can transmit noise, noise is sound waves, is, is waves, is vibrations in the air, mm. and a piece of string will send the vibrations physically along the piece of string, but there's a limit to how long your piece of string will work for. Mm. The other way you can do it, instead of putting it in the string, is you can you can speak into a tube, and then the vibrations in the air go down the tube further than they would otherwise. So the other option for early telephones was speaking tubes, which speaking you tubes. got. Speaking tubes. So <laughs> it, it's just like a big pipe, and you just speak into one end, and the sound comes out the other. And you still get them in children's playgrounds sometimes. Oh, yeah, though, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And did you ever, did the, um, those gardens near Oxford Street had them for a bit? Brown Heart Gardens, where there's a slightly raised yes. garden. Things. They had an art installation that was speaking tubes for a little bit yeah. uh, a couple of years ago. Um, they Apparently they were on ships as well quite a lot. Uh, so that I didn't know this before. HMS Victory had speaking tubes. Really? So that the decks could communicate with the lower decks, the upper deck and things like that, apparently. Mm. Um and the one place that they're still often used is in MRI machines because oh. and and actually in places where it's kind of safety critical because there's no moving parts there's no electricity involved right if you have a, a horrible electromagnetic surge which would knock out lots of other technical equipment a speaking tube will be unaffected so as a backup plan on a ship or something like that a speaking tube is a good bit of technology but MRI machines as well they don't interfere with the other machinery. So mm. you can play music to people while they're having an MRI scan using a speaking tube. Really? So that's rather nice. That's so interesting. Um, but what what the telephone as we know it now does is originally it converts that sound vibration into an electrical signal and sends it down a wire and then obviously later one's mobile we don't you know we've got rid of the wires and, and things magic. since magic then now. it's just yeah. magic absolutely yeah um and so 1878 alexander graham bell demonstrates the telephone to queen victoria and she got all the looking at all the good stuff didn't she any she, good she thing did. that's happening she's like i'll have a bit she's of having a go thank you Yes, and she said it's quite extraordinary. Although she's well, we always do the accent, and that's not her accent. She's got a no, German that's just accent, the Queen. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I, which I, I can't do. I tried. It doesn't. No, work. I can't either. No. Um, well, I can, uh, but it's not. It's not socially acceptable. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, two weeks, about two weeks after she gets her demonstration, the first permanent telephone connection line in the UK is made between two businesses in. Manchester. Oh. <laughs> so okay. we we're not London. We're not quickest off the bat. We're slacking here. 
but there you go. So um, that's 1878. Mm-hmm. Just under 100 years later, in 1973, we get the first mobile phone being developed. Wow. So that's quite cool. Yeah. We take 200 years to get from Robert Hooke and a piece of string to the telephone with and then, wires yeah. and then 100 years to get to the, the cordless version if you like um and one of the companies that was busily involved in installing the new exchanges and things when when it was kind of um becoming established as a, as a piece of technology there's various different companies to start with and then a lot of them merge together and become the national telephone company which is also a collaboration between bell and edison so it's a okay. sort of interesting mixture of things mm. and they had a building in Temple Avenue. Oh, which any any is that just coincidental? Coincidental, seemingly. Okay. Yeah. So so about a five minute walk from Temple Place with the cherubs, there is another building with cherubs on the phone, and this is the one I didn't know about. But it's the old headquarters of the National Telephone Company. Um, so I'm going to yeah. go and have a look next time I'm nearby. And. In between them, if you were to walk before between them, there is a phone box. Ah. A K2 phone now, box. Now, this is where the, the the phone box nerds get very excitable, isn't it? Over the different the different types very, of K. Very, very excitable. What, yes. So we've got a K2. What else have we got? Well, so the K2 is introduced in 1927. Okay. Um, the same year as the first transatlantic phone call. Um, and K, in a way not surprisingly, stands for kiosk. So there was a K one, uh, which was quite ornate, red doors, white walls, and a lot of fancy ironwork on the top. And clearly, I think, not practical to mass produce. Right. Um, Are there any so, of those left? I don't know, actually. I've seen a photo of one, and it looked like it was a physical, a fairly modern photo. Oh, okay. So presumably there is, yeah, somewhere. Something somewhere something somewhere um the very first k2 uh the prototype for it is in london again you can go on a stroll and find it and it is in the archway of burlington house yeah uh where the royal society of oh no that's not right the royal academy royal academy and various other learned learned institutes and things are around uh around the courtyard of burlington house and um the K2 was designed by Sir Giles Gilbert Scott. Have I just knighted him unintentionally? I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Giles Gilbert Scott, who Giles may or may Gilbert not Scott, be a sir. Possibly sir. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. And he um, he was an architect. He designed various uh, well-known buildings in London, like um, uh, the Bankside, now the Tate Modern and mm-hmm. things. Um he was a trustee of Sir John Soane's house, the lovely okay. museum in Lincoln's Inn where John Soane used to live. John Soane, an architect in the 1700s. And John Soane is kind of in- credited with inventing a particular type of curve by bisecting <laughs> a circle. Very specific. <laughs> and it's a curve that's very specific, but it is very familiar to anyone who knows the phone box or indeed anyone who knows Waterloo Bridge. Ah. The curve, the underneath of Waterloo Bridge is supposedly the same curve as the top of the phone box. Is it? I did not know that. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and as a trustee of Soane's house, presumably Giles Gilbert Scott would also know the Soane family tomb, which is in St Pancras Old Church churchyard. Okay. So um, there's various different St Pancras churches, but um, uh, and and up near, kind of near Kings Cross St Pancras Station. Not surprisingly, um, the old church has a lovely little churchyard with various interesting things in it. Um, one of which is Sir John Soane's tomb, mm-hmm. which looks kind of like a stone version of a phone box, mm. and it seems to be that Giles Gilbert Scott took his inspiration from the tomb when he was designing. Uh, oh yes, yeah. I've seen I've seen pictures of Sir John Soane's tomb. Scott was inspired by Sir John Soane, so that's the model yeah. for the K2. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and given there was that link between them and the and the house as well and things, it it kind of it all makes That's quite it's quite nice actually, isn't it? That, that circular thing of yeah, he was involved in that and kind of went, actually, that looks pretty, oh, pretty nice. I'm going to use that. Yeah. Yeah, like absolutely. It. And having just mentioned Waterloo Bridge, um, that is the other place that you mm. can see some cherubs on the phone. Is it now? At the north end of Waterloo okay. Bridge, it's technically his address is 133 Strand. Right. But it is just next door to the Cafe Nero. At the north end. <laughs> of is that the Bridge. cafe near from the 18th century? Is that that one? Oh yes, <laughs> yes, that one. <laughs> and um, it's I I can't remember. I haven't got my books out of storage yet, so I haven't been able to check this up. But I think it was just a company that presumably wanted to show how moving with the times they were, and they have um, above their doorway, um, they have two little cherubs. One of them is kind of talking into the into the um microphone of a an oh, old style it. telephone <laughs> so and it occurred to me as well while you're on waterloo bridge what mm. what can we do with the phone that we didn't do before and the reason why Take i was saying off. waterloo bridge <laughs> well this is kind of my little public service announcements oh, which okay. i regularly do uh, if I'm near the river, because on the river we have some RNLI lifeboat stations, one of them being just near Tower Bridge. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realise until I looked it up what you do if you want to alert the authorities to somebody in the river. We all know that we can ring up the emergency services 999 and then you get the choice of phone, uh, phone, <laughs> police <laughs> on the phone, police, ambulance, fire brigade, yeah, but also Coast Guard. Coast Guard. Yeah. And I didn't, but apparently if you ask the Coast Guard, you'll get straight through to the RNLI people. Whereas if you go to the others, then it goes around the houses, it takes longer. And given that if there's someone in the Thames, it's very cold, time is of the essence. Okay. Coast Guard ask for Coast is the people Guard. to ask for. Interesting. But that also made me think about some other bits of London architecture, which are redundant now. Right. So at the top of Whitehall on uh great scotland yard mm. where we're at the back of the ministry of magic <laughs> yeah. and it's it's a corner that is much much busier than it used to be because it's the back of the ministry of magic yeah. so lots of people go and have a look and then opposite that there is the metropolitan police stables mm. and next to that and I, I have to say 
that I, very regularly when I've been doing Harry Potter tours, horses stick their heads out of the, the windows yeah. on the first floor. They must be the most Harry Potter savvy horses <laughs> in the world because they're always, I've seen that little noses kind of peeking out. I love it. Yeah, and it's, Sorry, it's anyway. in itself. No, no, it's absolutely. Um, there's if you peer in, it's worth kind of explaining that there's a there's a courtyard with a, a ramp around the edge of the courtyard, and the yep. horses live on the first floor. They do. So there's there's windows up on the first floor, and the building next door is the civil service club. And I was talking to someone one time who was staying there and he couldn't work out why it was so noisy during the night. And he was like, all these sort of strange noises. He was on the first floor and obviously he must have been right next door to the horses. <laughs> oh, yeah, I quite like it. Because often if you go down in the morning, the horses are coming out to do the change of the guard. And you, it's quite nice. You sort yeah. of get, you know, they're often like lining up on the street. And if, if you time it right and ask nicely, you might get a little bit of a pat of a horse or something. Yeah. 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 Um, but the, the civil service club used to be a fire uh, fire station, mm. and if you look up at the top of it, it's got a turret. And before we were able to ring up and go, I've got a fire, they just had people on top of the turret keeping watch. Yeah. And when they saw a fire, off they'd go to put it out. It's not fantastic. So now there is a random turret just loitering at the top, uh, yeah. top end of of Whitehall. I love it. Um, oh, I think I need to check the time I tell you what listeners I'm going to check the time while you have a little listen to this at the third stroke it will be 8.57 precisely at the third stroke, the time sponsored by Accurist will be 10, 52, and 10 seconds. Uh, I thought we should have a little time check. <laughs> Although there was about two hours between those two time checks. So, <laughs> so uh, talking of redundant technology. Yeah. The speaking clock. Yeah. Who Who nowadays rings up? The speaking does it still clock. exist? Even. Apparently, well, um, I think it does. And I think there's also a kind of unofficial version of it. Right. Um, but I got distracted by other things when I was looking up whether it still existed or not. Okay. Um, but what an what a extraordinary idea that actually, if you want to know the time, you ring up a phone number and they tell you the exact time yeah um and those two voices that we just heard one is ethel kane so ethel kane was the first voice of the speaking clock she started in 1936 okay we've only had five voices on the speaking clock since then it's it's quite extraordinary so it was her voice for a good 20 years um and then actually so the third voice um is a man called brian cobby and that okay. was the man that we just heard. Yeah, right. absolutely. And they both, in fact, most of the five voices got the job after a competition to find someone oh. with a nice voice. And the last one we had was a Scottish gentleman, and he was the first person who wasn't English and you know has a has a nice soft Scottish accent and things. But Brian Cobby worked for British Telecom. So right. he was a natural shoe-in. But he before that, he used to be an actor. And he is also the voice 
that says five, four, three, two, one. I haven't listened to this to check if this is how it goes, but <laughs> Thunderbirds are go! Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Uh, so I should have gone back and listened to see if he sounded the same, but um, yeah, that was that was him as Gosh, well. I haven't heard that for a while. Um, yeah. Now you know. Nowadays we all have we all have so many clocks around our house and around our person, you know, on various different devices that the whole notion yeah. of ringing up something to get the time, but that you know, it was a really important I thing wonder, when I, it yeah, was started. I wonder if it's still going. It might be. I'm not sure. Well, and it also, they used to use it, people used to use it to check other things. So like Big Ben, they used to check against yeah, the speaking course, clock yeah, yeah. and stuff. So. Do you know Big Ben's um, on Twitter? Did you know this? Does he go bong? He does. Uh, it's <laughs> hilarious. And I, I've, I mean, it's, it's an automated one, obviously. But every hour it'll just say bong the number of times. It makes me very happy. <laughs> so you can log in. And the, the trouble is with Twitter, you know. Or Irks, I'm supposed to call it now. Um, yeah. it, it's never the timeline is never exact, so you'll log no. in and it'll be bongs from like five hours ago. You'll be like, oh, it's three o'clock. Oh no, it's not. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> just or, it just goes yeah. bong, bong, or bong. Three days ago, as, as it seems happy. to be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it, um, this also reminded me of the thing that I said last week. I was going to tell you about. Yes, so, you had a you had a, a pullover. Yeah, when we when we. Um, we're talking about the letters and the person who sent the letter and looked at the address and didn't pay for it. Yeah. There is of course the phone box equivalent of that, which my cousins used to do. And you, it was called the pips. I'll just okay. give you the pips when I get to the station is what they would say, because the pips is the noise that you get that the person at the other oh, end yeah. gets before you put in the money. Yeah. So they would have a system, they had a system of code that you ring up and you like let it beep three times and then you hang up and then you ring up again, let it beep three times and hang up. And two threes means I'm at the station. Right. Or <laughs> one four means something else or whatever it was. So it was a way of sending, like passing on the message without paying any money. That's uh, really handy. <laughs> that is really <laughs> handy. <laughs> There's always a workaround. <laughs> I love it to uh, to avoid pain. Um, um, question which I'm always asked. Yeah, I want to see if if you have a see if you have the same answer as me. Why are phone boxes red in London? Ah, now that's a good question. And I, while I'm thinking about it, I'm going to answer a slightly tangential question, <laughs> which it's not like you is at all. no. That there used to be one that was green mm. outside the IEEE or the IEEE or whatever they are now. Um, again, by Waterloo Bridge. Um, when they got a phone box outside their building, somebody said, oh, it's, it's too bright. Don't like it. So the, the compromise was paint it green. And that one randomly, I, I might have been blue. But I'm going to say green to blend in with the, with the greenery nearby. Um, yeah. I've, is it just so that they're easily visible? As far as I'm aware, yeah. And it's interesting that you said about the green to blend in. As far mm. as I'm aware, it was to make them stand out because they are something that you obviously need. And particularly, yeah. you know, if you're out and about and you need to use a phone, there's a good reason. So you need to be able to spot them easily. Um, yeah. And presume the same for post boxes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Assume, as well. It's the so. same. And, and buses. That so. might just, might just yeah. be a branding thing. Be like, oh, well, you know, we've gone with red. Let's make well, it Well, that's thing. true. Because <laughs> they are, they were for a while. They, you know, the post office was also the 
the thing that provides the phones. They they yes. went hand in hand for a long time, didn't they? We should they we did. should say so that 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 makes sense. It's all it's all on on brand. Um, so I was going to come back. You asked about the kiosks, the, the different numbers and things. We'll come back to that in a moment. But I thought first of all, actually, notable phone boxes. Oh yeah, I love a notable phone just, box. Just just a couple. There is the one, um, the, the one that gets the biggest queue in London. And we, we do love a queue, and you you'll know the one I mean. Yeah, I think the one by uh, it's in Parliament Square. Parliament Square with a view of Big Ben behind it. Oh yeah. In fact, there's two there that both qualify. But yeah, we're gonna queue yes. for anything. It's hilarious. Queue for anything. So um, there is so in the song, darling Doris. I'm gonna go back to that. Um, there is a verse which goes, though in recent years we all had a phone, we found we didn't want to use our own. We were full of longing, we began to pine, to walk on down to Doris and wait patiently in line. <laughs> so the notion of queuing for a phone box has deep cultural associations, yeah. potentially. Yeah. But the one in Parliament Square... What people are doing is queuing up to take a photo, normally on their mobile phone, mm. of a phone box. So the mobile phone replaced the landline, which the landline itself took away the need for phone boxes. Mm. So the phone box becomes redundant, but we now keep them because we like them and so that people can take photos of them on their phones. And they're now protected. They are and part of the cultural heritage. They're not allowed to be taken away, are they? No, absolutely. You go inside, but the whole... usually you can see in there, there's like a little listed building. It's called, uh, it's called a well, building. They call it a building, don't they? Yes. Um, Some of them are listed. Yeah, not all of them. The K2s are listed. Ah. But not the K6s. Now, how can you tell the difference think... between a K2 and a K6? Let's get real kind of nerd level here. Yes. So take a little stroll. If you're in London, take a little stroll to Smithfield Meat Market, mm -hmm. where they have a meat auction just before Christmas. Um, <laughs> uh, and there are side by side, there are K2s and K6s. So you can have a look. If you're not in London, take a little stroll to the Londonist website and look mm -hmm. up, or in fact, we'll put the link on the blog as well and things, but look up Red Phone Box Londonist and they produced a marvelous graphic a few years ago that shows you the evolution of phone boxes and also some things they've been used for since and some of the other stuff and you can see the k1 that i mentioned before right with, with white at the bottom um and there was the k2 in 1926 and then a few other versions around about the same time the k4 is a fabulous thing. It's slightly bigger and it has a built-in post box and stamp dispensers. Oh, what? Oh, That's amazing. One-stop shop stamp for all your communication dispensers. needs. Yeah. Um, the K6 comes along in 1936 mm. and it is the one that is most similar to the K2 in terms of shape and colour, but it is quite a lot smaller. So also should say at this point, we're talking about a red upright box, just in case anyone doesn't have an image of what a London phone box looks like. Just in case. If, if you're on Mars, maybe that might be. So, um, yeah, tall red box with um, glass windows on four sides, probably maybe three. 
probably three actually because one of them's got the foam mounted on it um and kind of you know three three panes of glass side by side going up and it says telephone up near the top and then right at the top you've got the lovely curve that came from the sewn memorial and fits under waterloo bridge and a k2 has a gold um uh crown on it mm-hmm. which is um has holes in it okay. so one of the differences between the k2 and the k6 is the crown is more prominent on a k2 okay. but also size wise k2 is just bigger bigger than All a right. k6 so uh, and they're slightly different shapes at the top and things so um the k6 is much much more common i meant to also check how many k2s there were and off the top of my head i want to say about 13 but i think i might be mixing it up with cabin shelters so there may well be 13 cabin shelters but yeah exactly so i think i've pulled that from uh from that that other bit of knowledge (laughs) to do that (laughs) but there's yeah there's a some k2s dotted around and a lot more k sixes mm. and then after that we got the k7 that was square and glass and hmm. and then there's all manner of horribleness the k8 <laughs> in 1968 is is red and glass and looks sort of plasticky or fiberglassy and it's oh it's a thing of great ugliness you can take them away that's fine we don't mind yeah and after that we started numbering it as the kx100 Right. And then the KX two hundred. So why did we stop at K eight? Any um, ideas? Because K nine was taken. It's a dog. It was a dog? Yeah. No. I mean, I don't know if that's the official reason, but yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, the K what did I say K K eight was nineteen sixty eight. And the KX100 is 1985. In 1977, a small robot dog mm. named K9 made its appearance on the BBC. Oh, it's genuinely. Oh, that's hilarious. I, I mean, I can't think of any better reason, but they... I mean, yeah. Seems... Yeah. So... That obviously now opens up another whole line of thought, which is, um, so the K9 is a companion to Doctor Who, mm. uh, the long-running um, time traveller. we know where we're going Doctor Who and phone boxes, don't we? Where are we going to go to find a TARDIS? I know this one. Hey! hey. Because there's an amazing thing you could do on Google Maps. Do you know about it? <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> it's at Earl's Court, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you find the phone box or the TARDIS, because it's one of the blue police phone boxes, and you put your little Google Street View guy over it, it takes you inside the TARDIS. Yeah, and it's huge. It's amazing inside. So again, I feel we should explain Doctor Who, long-running children's sci-fi program, and well. Uh, loved by everyone (laughs) obviously Um, and he he travels around in a TARDIS which is time and relative dimensions in space yes and the one thing we all know about TARDIS it's bigger on the inside than the outside and it used to camouflage itself for wherever it was Mm. but one time when it was in London it got stuck as a police (laughs) phone box yeah so the police phone box 
looks like a TARDIS, uh, if you know what that looks like. And it's a bigger, it's much bigger even than the K2, and it's blue and yep. has double doors on the front. And it used to fa- uh, house a phone that the police could use. And um, it too was invented in the 1930s. And amazingly, in the 1950s, there were 685 of them in wow. London. So they were, they must have been everywhere. Well, not everywhere, but I mean, all over the place. A lot of places, yeah. A lot of places. Um, but again, same thing there. Technology becomes redundant because the police radios get better and then they don't need them anymore. So delightfully, um, in 1996, um, the police decided to bring one back. Yeah. And they brought it back just outside Earl's Court underground station as part of a plan to kind of uh, clean up the area because uh, it was it was you know prominent antisocial issues and people loitering and whatever so they said well let's have a let's have a phone box and a base and a desk where a police bobby can can be based um so they used it for about four years and then they went ah we don't this isn't really working they still look after it because yeah. there is a ctv camera on the top so yes. they're still getting the images from the camera on the top but basically it's just sitting on the pavement now as a good reason to go and visit the area um yeah and absolutely google shows us what's inside yeah so Which i love i love those sort of cute ephemera stuff and i think i don't know if they still do but um on google maps if you hover the little guy over the kind of buckingham palace area it used to turn into the queen a little little image of the queen i don't know if it still does well presumably yeah. shouldn't anymore should be well, should charlie be. yeah charlie boy yeah um Oh, I had a thought. Oh, yeah, no, the thing I love on Google Maps is when, when it tells you how busy places are and sometimes they say, as busy as it ever gets. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, harsh. Yes. Wow, all right. Yeah. No, it's no longer the queen on Google Maps, unfortunately. No, it's oh, just gone back to okay. being little yellow man, sadly. Okay. Oh, oh well. There is also um, a very str- sort of sl- sleek thin streamlined version of a TARDIS uh, next to the Guildhall in the city of London by the Church of St Lawrence Jury and it's it's uh, the same thing it was a police phone in a in a kind of post in a box but not not one that you could walk into just and um, another one by the exit to Postman's Park as well little little one there is there mm. not GPO but the other side huh. yeah just as you come out Huh. Not again, okay. not a walkable in one, uh, a little blue sort of outposty thing. But yeah. Hmm, I walk <laughs> past there regularly. Hmm. There you go. I think so. It's quite possible that I'm walking away from it, as it were, and therefore yeah, I've it's, it's never noticed I, it. I go it's in extraordinary via, what you. I go in via the GPO um, side and then come out the other side, and it's that side where you come out. Hmm. Um, I'm just going to check. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's bright blue. It's not dark blue. It's really like quite, yeah. But it's a police phone call box. Okay. Yeah. Ah, cool. There you go. I mean, that just shows what what we cannot see yeah. when it's right in front of us. Um, so there you go. There's there's also one that wasn't a, a similar thing. It was a pl- police um, uh, box. Okay. Oh, that one. Yes, of course, yeah. that one. Now you've shown me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Much much paler blue. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There you go. That's just me having a complete blank. 
Uh, who'd have thought? <laughs> Never happens. Never happens. Never. No. Um, so there's another, there is another police phone box which is much more camouflaged and is often described as the smallest police station in London which it kind of never really was because it was always just a phone link Mm. but it's one corner of Trafalgar Square there is a little stone cubicle uh, kind of part of the wall almost around Trafalgar Square and that was doing a similar job as a a police um, very easy to miss I did do a reel on Instagram about it a couple of years ago uh, so it was a phone box. But they, people call it a, a police station, erroneously, which yes. it isn't. It was a little lookout with a flashing yeah. light on the top and a, and a hotline to the um, Scotland Yard down the road. Um, yes, it's very and it's still in it's use. So yeah, still in use as a broom cupboard. Yes, peer <laughs> <laughs> in nowadays. Yeah, I think the 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 thing that people say as the smallest police station actually goes to Marble Arch. Not Marble Arch, Wellington no. Arch. Yes. The Wellington Arch had a... Just inside. God, we're, we're, we're on fire today, aren't we? We are. Slightly <laughs> dodgy facts. <laughs> Ballpark accurate. <laughs> we correct ourselves. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. So, um, Which all of this all of this sort of redundancy of you know, things that aren't in use anymore mm. brings us onto the question of what should we do now with our phone boxes? And like we've already said, some of them are listed protected buildings, so yeah. they have to stay. But um, I did, not that long ago, I saw someone on the phone walking down the street and it started to rain and then he got into a phone box just to be out of the rain while Love on it. his mobile. Love it. They often <laughs> smell a little bit dodgy, don't they? They're not... Um, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're not... Uh, no. No. Yeah, and quite a lot of them, the phones... So, uh, some of them still have phones in them. Some of them mm. don't. Some of them aren't working. Um, quite a lot of them, not so much in central London, but in in little villages and in suburbs of London, there are ones that are libraries. Mm-hmm. Uh, just honesty, libraries, you can just help yourself and bring books back and things. Um, there's one or two that for a while were converted into coffee shops, mm-hmm. effectively, still, with little still are, barista yeah. machines. And yeah. someone comes in the day to open them up. Um, there was a company that was setting up solar panels on the roof and then you could stand in the phone box to charge your mobile. Oh, really? And they were kind of funding that by having a screen with advertising on in the yeah. phone box. So you were okay. watching that while you were there, kind of. Which also brings us back to another um, advertising. Um, I mean, obviously, on the sides, particularly with the ones that have big glass sides, you quite often have official adverts that people have mm. bought and paid for and things like that. But also, traditionally, inside a phone box there was um, space to tuck a business card Mm. or quite a lot of business cards or indeed put stickers on the windows or things like that. And the business that traditionally most uses the phone box is sex workers. Mm -hmm. Um, And I tried to find this again today and I couldn't find anything about it, but I'm pretty sure that there is someone who's done a PhD. He collected business cards from phone boxes around different areas of London for years and for like decades and eventually did research based on which ones were where and kind of really? tracked the movement of not quite the red light district but but kind of saw how you know um like how areas get gentrified and the the business cards wane and then and then other places will take over and things like that so so it's a very niche phd very very i i 
in my head he's something to do with the Welcome Institute, but I couldn't find it, I must admit. Um, there's also a 2011 artwork by Gilbert and George, mm. um, made up entirely of what they call tart cards, which are presumably the business <laughs> cards taken from phone boxes. Um, so there is new and inspiring artworks coming out of the phone box. And actually, there are plenty of artworks now based on phone boxes or in, mm. you know, reusing phone boxes. There were some in the Olympic Park. There's one in Richmond, which is a whole stack of phone boxes kind of leaning over, like someone's done yeah. a domino flip yeah. with, with phone boxes and things. Um, some of which are also on that Londonist graphic, which yes. um, we will share yeah. the link in the blog. So you can And there was look. one, I don't know if it's still there, but round the back of the Royal Academy. So if you're going to see the K2 at the front, mm -hmm. round the back, um it was there last year it'd been there for a couple of years there was i think it was an artwork that had been put in place it was four phone boxes with a, a, a neon letter on them that would sort of go on and off um ah. and then i think they were after the whatever exhibition it was they were moved to the round the back whether or not it's still there i don't know okay um, but i do remember a few years ago and they, they don't seem to do it anymore they did it a couple of years where in january they do a kind of lights festival in london oh yeah and one of them was a phone box that was been sort of lit up and made into a fish tank. So we had fish yeah. around there, which was rather entertaining. Oh, yeah. Fabulous. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. And they, they sell them off now and again. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was young, the people who lived kind of diagonally opposite us bought two, maybe three. And they apparently they were going to turn one into a shower cubicle and put really? one at the bottom of the garden. And I don't think they ever did. They just sat in the... <laughs> front garden for many a year just hose um, them down and <laughs> enjoy them yeah yeah um talking of which actually one of the the other thing i was going to say if you are going to smithfield to have a look mm -hmm. at them um slightly less than it used to be but there is a phone box around there that for a while became a, a shrine it's not quite clear if it was a shrine to sherlock holmes or benedict cumberbatch yeah. one of the two but the one that is just outside st bart's hospital where a uh, location that features prominently in the television series the episode the rankin uh, bath falls where he jumps off the roof i wasn't yeah. gonna do any spoilers but there we go oh sorry that's <laughs> <laughs> which Whoops. actually I, I i walked past when they were filming it um, and um there was there was they were filming someone getting knocked off a bicycle and i didn't mm. kind of think about it and then the episode came on i was like hang on a minute whoa 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 hey <laughs> um likewise you, that could have been your big break <laughs> i could have been in the background yeah, I, had they, a, I had a group of people me. with me and things i don't <laughs> matter um also on another tour there was a phone box that appeared and then disappeared again somewhere near the top of whitehall and that was the ministry magic one mm -hmm. um yeah so as guides, if we're out about on the streets long enough, sooner or later we'll we'll see bits Find of film. Moving that... phone box, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then kind of six months or a year later, you go, oh, that's what that was. <laughs> I think I saw one being put in place for Mary Poppins as well. Mary Poppins: The Revenge. Oh, okay, yeah, um, and things like that. Yeah, I know they move around a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, which um. Brings around. So yeah, the idea, you know, what what should we do? That there are there are some things that people are doing with phone boxes, and um, the the events of the song "Darling Doris" is a K six probably being replaced by a kind of glass. Oh no, monstrosity! Uh, monstrosity, yeah, and um, 
round the corner by the grocery store. There stands a phone box now without a door, often vandalised, often out of order, often vandalised. It has no sense of dignity, attraction to the eyes. And so on and so on. And it it ends with this sort of heartbreaking... um, uh, sort of cry of anguish at the removal of the phone boxes and I suspect the the strength of feeling in that song is you know if if they ever said we're going to take the phone boxes away from London there would be a kind of outcry or and indeed maybe the rest of the country as well um well I think that's you know, why they stopped because they they were doing it weren't they and there was uproar and everyone went no 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 so now they have them. left them and that's why they've listed some of them and um, yeah yeah and good. I guess at some point, I mean, yeah, good, absolutely. And and we are kind of slightly scrabbling to find uses for them, but but you know they will they will carry on hopefully with oh, some I mean, purpose. I, I don't know. I think I think their purpose at the minute. You know, if you, if you ever look at photos of if you come and go on Google Images and look at London photos, you know one of the major things that will pop up in most photos will be a red phone box, um, mm. and they're quite an iconic thing. And I, I think I've said before I don't like the word iconic because it's massively overused. But you know, but if you, this is one of those ones, yeah, absolutely. And then places around the world will will put them up, and people go, "Oh, look, a London phone it's box." A London phone box. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. What I wasn't sure is who who's is it still the post office that looks after them? Is it or oh, British Telecom? Now Presumably now because they've split I British Telecom. No, I'm not sure. Yeah. So there's a bill for someone somewhere in mm. maintaining them, and if it's Might come not under the go- government's heritage portfolio i mean because i can't imagine you know british telecom not that it's british telecom anymore anyway uh it's bt isn't it would would um would be up for filling I mean, that bill yeah exactly so there must be and and like the one the, the one that became the sherlock shrine you know it like a bit like the the wall outside abbey road studios mm. it, it gets written on and then cleaned off and the yeah. sherlock people would you know so it's it's weird yeah. it's it looks both freshly painted and quite scruffy because yeah it regularly gets uh, redone, that one. So, Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's a sort of um, low-key note to finish. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. These are the kind of ephemera that, that I think makes London really interesting and really special. And uh, there's more to a phone box than meets the eye. Oh, definitely. yes. Lovely. Uh, meets, the, meets the sense of smell. Yeah, well, mm. Yeah, yeah. Admire, come to London. Admire the phone boxes from the outside. Just don't oh, necessarily and now, go in. How, well, uh, I didn't look up either the record. Do you know the record for how many people you can get in a phone box? Oh no, I don't. It's a surprisingly big number. Um, uh, I should. We'll come back to you it's with very that. Pliable, foldable people. Yes. Slot in. Edit. It's twelve. Yeah. <laughs> Well, gang, thank you so much for coming along and listening. Thanks, Fiona, uh, for a great chat all about phone boxes. We will put up the song, Darling Doris, and we'll put up the Londonist um, article as well. And we'll put up some pictures on the blog so you can go and have a little look at all manner of these curios around the place. And, and we we'll, might do a little map to go with them or something. You can see where some of them are. No, we're not going to do that. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. Don't worry about it. You never know. In the future, we might <laughs> at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they are there to, to go and explore and uh, fabulous. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that is it this week. 
Um, we will see Before you next we week. we become completely incoherent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so. um, again, there's a little link from this week's one to next week's one that I bet you're talking about. <gasps> Ooh! Oh, very exciting. tiny. Um, but we'll see you next week for some more fun. Have a great one, yeah. gang! Okay, bye! bye.